Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the First and Ten Podcast, brought to you by Blogging the Boys, powered by SB Nation. Today, you are joined by Tony Catalina. As you can tell, it is not Dave Sturcio. Usually, he holds it down here, but uh, we're absent Dave. He's, he's out on assignment today, so he's, he's out there taking care of some business. And like I said, it's myself, Tony Catalina, and my good friend, Aiden Davis. Excuse me. Aiden, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, but man, Sturch is missing right before cuts are about to happen. We're going to have to make some serious decisions soon about his future with the team. Listen, no, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm just not, I'm done. I'm, I'm just messing around, but it's, it's been good. I'm waiting for Tuesday, right? Tuesday's the big roster cut day. Tuesday, man. You know, I was super excited this weekend's the first weekend that it really felt like football was either here or on the horizon. I don't know how much of week zero in college football you got to watch, but man, I watched I, a lot. There you go. Yeah, I was I was doing the same thing and I was bouncing between some of the preseason games and that Northwestern Nebraska game. So that was exciting <laughs> to watch, man. I was I to me, I'm just a football junkie like RJ likes to make fun of me. He's like, you don't you don't have any other hobbies. I'm like, no, my hobby is is watching football like and this is what I'm <laughs> buckling in. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was all into. The only thing I could think of during this weekend was I think that Cowboys fans have a bad but Nebraska fans might just have it worse than Cowboys oh, fans because that is a cursed team. Oh, it's crazy to me. I mean, I'm, I admittedly, I'm much more of an NFL fan than a college football fan. And I know that's probably, I don't think it's controversial, but I think there's a lot of people that really are passionate about college football compared to NFL saying there may be a better product or just a better environment. And, you know, I've been to some big games. I know you you went to the university of Texas, so it's, that's probably one of the biggest schools that you can get to, but, um, I don't know, man. I'm an NFL guy. So when I watch these games, these college games, I'm not invested as deeply as some other people, but it's just good television to me. I'm with you. I, the way I see it is it's a step below the NFL, but it's still competitive football. So it's not like I'm not going to watch. Right. And, and, you know, let's get this on record. Uh, next time we talk, it will be week one of college football and you'll be in a Texas alum. Now, what, what do you think about your squad? I know it's the Cowboys podcast, but what do you think about your squad this year? Oh, it, Texas is under the same curse as the Cowboys, where every year it looks good for us. We're always highly ranked, and then we always disappoint. So I'm expecting more of the same. We'll see. I'm going to the game next weekend, so if any of our listeners are going to the UT game, hit me up. I'll be there. Cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah, and um, to, I don't know if anybody ever knows this. I don't think I ever told anybody, but yeah, I didn't go to college. So I, I don't have a rooting interest when it comes to universities, I guess, um, I guess I became a Georgia fan when my brother played for him. And that's kind of where my allegiance has lied. But um, before that, when I was just trying to find a team to like, I mean, I was obsessed with college football in Texas and like the whole Friday night lights allure. So I was a fan of Texas football when it was Colt McCoy and Ricky Williams. So, you know, the good I, old days. you know, the good old days. And that to me, the Vince Young, when Vince Young in the national championship against USC was just one of the craziest games I've ever seen. But, you know, once the family goes, the, 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 you know, the, the loyalty kind of goes with it a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah. 
but you know i grew up in a texas house so i've, I've been raised from day one yeah there you go and then you went to the school so that's the one thing that i really miss about you know not going to like a four-year university was like that camaraderie that feeling of pride and stuff so that's really cool but not you know i know he's a highly educated man but we're gonna get off of texas <laughs> here for a second um and we're gonna kind of put a bow on the preseason um aiden i just want to get your initial thoughts from that preseason game three it seems if you ask me a lot of things that we expected to see, we saw. I think there was a lot of priors confirmed in that game. Some guys that struggled a little bit, that continued to struggle. Some guys that played well, continued to play well. I'm speaking, you know, about Nation Wright and speaking about Malik Davis. So there are some interesting conversations that we're going to touch on here shortly. But what's your initial thoughts from the third preseason game? I'm going to be completely honest. It's week three of preseason, so I only made it through one half before I – I still had the TV on and I was still watching, but I was doing other things during that second half because I'm about as tapped out on preseason as you can get. What do you mean? You weren't locked in? (laughs) (laughs) No, but what I will say, I, I've been incredibly, and this is my big takeaway from, I I guess the last two weeks of preseason. I think Israel Mukwamu is starting to, he's starting to contest for like, not only just he's obviously going to make the roster at this point, but I think we're going to see some really valuable snaps out of McQuamo this year. And I am pumped because that kid has done nothing. But I'd say if you made me choose, I think he'd be my preseason winner, maybe mm. Deron Bland. But I, I think McQuamo had an amazing preseason. It's crazy to think. I think the way that everybody feels about Izzy McQuamo now is how they felt early about Nashawn Wright. You know, I think, you know, it's crazy. So what they thought they were going to see translation translate from the practice to the games. That's what Izzy did. I don't even know if Izzy has been like an absolute like star in practice. Like I think he's just been consistent and he's just kind of been doing his job. But when he goes out in the game, like there's there's something to be said about that game speed and kind of and kind of tapping in when it's when it's live bullets there. And he's just been around the football. He's been flying around. You can see that him being a former cornerback at his size feels really comfortable when he's down there covering somebody one-to-one and, you know, he's playing that safety hybrid role. I mean, you could see the Dan Quinn as a type. I mean, you could look at the yep. J Ron curse, the Izzy, the, the Marquise bell. There is definitely a type here. I was about to throw in the name because Marquise bell, if McQuamo hadn't been so good this preseason, I think McQu- uh, sorry, Marquise Bell would have got a lot more hype than he did because that's another guy that has just thoroughly impressed me this preseason is Marquise Bell. And speaking of Marquise Bell, have you ever, or I mean, I'm sure there has been, but can you think of a guy that has more like locked in, going to make this 53-man roster from the jump than Marquise Bell? Like it seemed like it was a no-doubter from the beginning. Yeah, that's the thing. When we signed him as an undrafted free agent, that was everybody's popular pick for the Cowboys undrafted free agent to make the team and my thought process the entire time was if this guy is so good and so highly touted why in the world was he not drafted i still don't understand i don't understand players like that but yeah it seems like this guy was destined to make the roster from undrafted free agency now you see a guy like that now do you think some of these scouts kind of favor the the big schools way too much i know that's a total different conversation but him coming from a smaller school you know for uh, fam famu and stuff like that so famu um you kind of those guys slip through the cracks a little bit, right? Because the way he played, there's no reason why he shouldn't have been drafted earlier. And I would take it one step further and say Fresno State isn't a powerhouse. So Duran Bland playing well and being drafted in the fifth round seems like it doesn't really make sense to me either. Yeah, shout out. I watched more at Florida AM University than I ever expected I would yesterday because that is football and they're playing North Carolina. 
But anyway, <laughs> I apparently this is a college football podcast now. Anyway, <laughs> I think I think the reason that these smaller school guys tend to slip in drafts is because as we'd expect, they're they're very boomer bust. Like a guy like Antonio Brown coming from what it was Central Michigan, Central Michigan right? Yeah. Central Michigan. Yeah, he looked really good in college, but then you have to start asking, okay, was it just because he was at a smaller school? So their flo- the floor is like an Antonio Brown. He's just going to keep doing what he's doing, or that's the ceiling. But then the floor is a guy that, yeah, he dominated at a smaller school, but that's just because he wasn't playing against good opponents. So I just think that variance is higher, and that's the reason that they slip in drafts. Yeah, and kind of move into a different position, but definitely a, a one of concern is I was looking at the offensive line, right? And I think we still have so many questions and not so many answers for that offensive line. I think it took until I believe it was the second, you know, middle of the second quarter where Will, Will Gray was able to kind of put some things together and show a semblance of offense. And I don't know if that's really obviously his fault. I think the offensive line was really struggling. Um, but I kind of asked you, I kind of lay this question out for you. We see what Josh Ball has looked like all off season or all preseason, you know, left more to be desired. Somebody, you know, nobody's really confident in his ability if he had to step in, but you see a guy like Matt, well, let's go. Who's whose shoulders hanging on by a sling. And he's out there, you know, giving us some quality reps in, in a couple of series where it's like, I'm not trying to, you know, push Josh Ball out for the for anybody. If Matt Willetsko wasn't better than him, I would say that. But Matt Willetsko looked much more comfortable, looked like he belonged a lot more than Josh Bell did. And I didn't know if you had the same kind of takeaway. I had the exact same. I mean, if we're talking about the preseason loser, I think it's a general consensus across the board for the Cowboys, it would be Josh Ball. It just, I mean, have we seen a Maybe I don't even think I could find a drive where it's like, oh, yeah, Josh Ball looked really good on that drive. All preseason, it's looked like he's looked like a complete liability. And I'm in the same camp where I was rooting for him at the pre- at the beginning of preseason. But this is getting bad quickly. And it still seems like he's slated in to be the swing tackle on this team, assuming Tyler Smith kicks out to right guard or right tackle. I mean, we've, Sorry. we've we've been so like I wouldn't say negative. I think rightfully so pessimistic or negative about the way this team has handled this roster. But I don't know if you agree with the sentiment. But it's just from the start to finish the way they handled the offensive line, just like the biggest ball dropping blunder that they have ever had. Because to sit here and think like Matt, well, let's go and Josh Ball is going to be enough. I think we all said it's it's absolute absolute lunacy to think that was going to be enough, but. Josh Ball has to be their biggest egg on their face. They've had this offseason just because, I mean, it just has not worked out. And I think they have to find a way. We're recording this on Sunday. It'll be released on Monday morning. We're, we're less than two weeks away before, you know, kickoff. And, and we still don't know who the starting left tackle is going to be, never mind the swing tackle. And just because Tyron Smith went down doesn't mean that the swing tackle still isn't an issue. It's just more magnified now. If you had to put a bet on it, do you think the Cowboys bring in an external tackle before the season starts the thing is betting is tough for me right i think the i think they're going to because they have to but the way the mindset of these cowboys would would make me look really bad if i bet all of my belongings and my home (laughs) and everything on this because they're just they're they're talking they're talking crazy to me you hear steven jones post game saying that like you know where did where did tyler smith play in college yeah he's a tackle so we'll be just fine like it's bro this is nuts and and and, you know we've kind of at this point we've really hammered this topic but it, it but it's warrants the, the stress and the ag and agony we're talking about it because 
Um, I have no problem with Tyler Smith eventually being the left tackle of this of this team. And I understand that, you know, with Tyron Smith there, he could comfortably focus on one position. But that's not the reality now. The reality is this man hasn't played a tackle rep in an NFL setting since June. And you're expecting him to just kick out left tackle and move Connor McGovern, who we know is is stronger on the right side than the left side, and just think everything's going to be good to go. So they they have to find a way to make a move here. And I and it, it would just absolutely blow my mind if they did not make that happen. I'm calling my shot. I think that the Cowboys will sign a left tackle, presumably. I think it is going to be a name that we most fans don't even recognize and he's probably going to be off the team in two weeks it's just going to be one of those appeasal signings like yeah we'll give you something cowboys fans but it's not gonna be anything you can sink your teeth into so you think from left to right it's gonna be tyler smith connor mcgovern tyler biotish zach martin terrence Steele. week one it's tough (laughs) when you say it out loud it kind of gives you a little nausea right (laughs) it's and the sad part is that's like the best way you can put it. There's a, I mean, we don't know for sure that Tyler Smith's going to kick out and there's a real chance that Josh Ball or Matt Willett's goes on the starting line. Yeah. And like, not that I'm predicting it, but there is a chance that that's the case. You're not wrong. And and I think that there is so many just bad situations and combinations that can happen here. It's, it's scary, man. If they don't bring somebody in, which I'm honestly, I'm begging them to at this point, like, please, please bring somebody in because we already know, like we just said, there was an issue before Tyron Smith got hurt. Now it's like red alert. Like this is a huge problem. So it is, it's really tough. Um, you know, not to kind of keep hammering that, but you know, as we get closer, um, some of the the cuts are kind of trickling out, but none of the um, big names or big situations have been have been shaken out. But where do you, I don't think we got your word where you think right now is it Will Greer or is it Cooper Rush at QB two? Where do you stand with that? Yeah, well, well, we're, we'll dig in a little bit this a little bit more later, but I'm I personally want Will Greer. I think the ultimate answers i think it's going to be cooper rush that takes the spot and i think that's a mistake actually i I agree with the whole sentiment from it being a mistake to what i think they're going to do um i think they think it's safer i think they think he can uh, you know work the offense a little bit better uh not better i think they just think he could be safer about it i think ultimately we're in trouble i don't know i mean i guess will greer can catch like you know catch lighter fluid in the game and it might give you a little something to be able to kind of go crazy but I think Cooper Rush has already emptied that clip when it came against Minnesota. So it's like, at, when do we see the real Cooper Cush, excuse me, Cooper Rush? And I don't really want to, I don't really want to see that, but you're absolutely right. I think, um, I think he's going to end up being it and it's almost by default, not because he earned it. Yeah. And I mean, my thing is, is if I'm going to have a backup quarterback, I want a backup quarterback who can come into the game and he's just going to, He's just going to throw the ball all over the field because he's the backup and he wants to like, kind of like, do you remember that Matt Flynn game for the Packers? Yeah. Uh, like got him paid 20, 2014. Yeah. Like that's seven touchdown. I want a quarterback like that. Who's just going to go out there and yeah, it's probably going to be ugly, but at least he's trying and Sling Cooper it. Rush, I don't think he's going to do that. No, uh, you're absolutely right. And um, it, it's, it's tough. I think, like I said earlier, we kind of confirmed some of our priors. It's going to be interesting to see how things shake out because a lot of what we thought about this team is kind of stayed pat through the whole three preseason games through the whole training camp. So I think there, there's a lot to dive in here and now we're kind of get to the little nitty gritty as we kind of change the page here in a little bit of different topics. You brought up this idea. I think it's a great idea. Um, you wanted to talk about a keep 
trade and cut talking about specific positions. What guy would we like to keep on the roster? What guy would we trade and what guy would we cut? And I think there's some really interesting battles. So Aiden, start us off where you want to go first. Yeah, let's start at what I think was the most intriguing battle when training camp started. I don't know if that's still the case in your mind, but I want to start at wide receiver. Three names, keep trade cut. Let's go TJ Vasher, Simi Fajoko, the two names that everybody's hyping up going into the training camp, and Dennis Houston, a guy who mm. seemingly has come out of nowhere. And I want to put it on record because, you know, people will call us out on Twitter. We know that somebody it's not going to shake out like this at every position. We know it's <laughs> yes. for the sake of the game. It's we'll get into that. But out of those three, right? For me, it's easy. I'm going to, I'm going to start off with the cut. I think for me, it's TJ Vasher, right? I think, I think he early on, I think a lot of people felt really good about it. It just hadn't really worked out to him kind of putting that continued progress out on the field, out in preseason games. So for me, for me, that's a cut I'm keeping, I, I, I'm keeping Simi Fajoko because there's something there that, you know, there's something there. And I think that might be a little controversial. I think, I think maybe even QB one won't even agree with me because I think Dennis Houston's his guy, but I'm going to say, I'm going to keep Simi Fajoko because I think Simi Fajoko with his four, three speed using his size. I think he's, he's got a chance to really grow into himself. I don't know what year two is going to look like from him, but I think we've seen a leap from year one. So then that means the trade for me is Dennis Houston in this scenario. It's a trade. But in real life, I would love to try to sneak him into the practice squad. I, I I had a real struggle and a spoiler alert, like we had our 53-man roster come out. I didn't have Dennis Houston make the 53-man roster on my thing. But at the same time, I think it was the hardest decision I made because I think he is going to end up. I just don't know how they're going to put it together. So keep Simi Falco, trade Dennis Houston, cut DJ Vasher. Aiden, do you agree, disagree? What do you got? I agree with you where the cut's completely easy. I mean, TJ Vasher... Wish it was different. Wish we could have seen more, but yeah, it's just the hype did not come to fruition this training camp and preseason. I'm going to disagree on the keep. I'm going to keep Dennis Houston mm. just because for me, this preseason for Simi Fahoko was very similar to last season where you saw flashes at times, like the touchdown catch week two, I thought was an impressive catch. Obviously he got in the end zone again this week, a little bit wide open, but kudos for him for getting open i just in terms of outside of those two plays i kept wanting to like the play where we saw Simi fahoko burn trayvon Diggs deep for that touchdown i wanted to see something like that in preseason where i can point to that play and say man look at Simi fahoko go that was impressive he had a couple like box out catches where he used his size he is valuable there but the connection between dennis houston and dak prescott from what we're hearing I'm not, I don't want to risk that to cut uh, the potential upside of Simi Fajoko. I've been really impressed with the news out of Dennis Houston's camp. So I actually think I'd lean keeping Dennis Houston. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. 
you'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Ultimately, I would not be surprised at all if Dennis Houston made it. Like I said, my 53-man roster, I'll give you kind of my thinking on it. I think the four are speaking for, right? There's there's C.D. Lamb, Jalen Tolbert. There is... um, in my mind, Noah Brown. So that's three, right? And then you got Tavante Turpin's the four. Those four are definitely spoken for. You got the fifth, I think, is going to end up being Simi Fajoko just from the draft pedigree, somebody that's going to work out in that sense. I think they like where he's gone in, in year two. Michael Gallup is going to be on the roster because they expect him to come back earlier than probably most of us do. That leaves the question, do you have a seventh wide receiver? And that's Dennis Houston, right, in my mind. But the thing is, Dennis Houston isn't probably going to be active on game day if this shakes out the way we think it is, right? If they keep five active on game day, it's going to be C.D., Brown, Convalente, um, who else am I missing? C.D., oh, Tolbert. No. Yeah, you... so. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it'd be C.D., Tolbert, Noah Brown, Convante Turpin, and then the fifth is, if they go five, it would be what? You know, um, Simi Fajoko, and then, you know, Michael Gallup obviously is not going to play, and then Houston would be that seventh guy anyway. So it, it to me, it was one of those questions where I'm thinking beyond the 43. I mean, the 53, I'm thinking the 46. So that was kind of what my what I was thinking about. But I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I, I in terms of in season and how the roster is going to look in season, I think week to week, this receiver group is going to be incredibly fluid because obviously during the first at least week one, We'll see about week two and how it goes down the line. Obviously, Michael Gallup is not going to be active for those games, and that's going to give a guy like Dennis Houston the opportunity to come in and play. But then when Gallup comes back, what do they do with the roster then? Then in eight, six to eight weeks, what happens when James Washington potentially comes back? What do you do with the receiver group then? Is So there's just so many question marks in terms of in-season players rotating in and out that I don't know what it's going to look like. But I do think we're going to see some opportunities to see uh, Bahoko and Houston potentially yeah. play this season. Makes sense. And I'll ask you one more question about this before we kind of change uh, the positions. Um, would you be surprised you personally, if they were to bring somebody in before week one in that wide receiver room? I'd be surprised. Yeah. At this point, yeah. I, I, it just seems like they're content with riding out the inexperienced receiver wave. And honestly, I don't blame them. Kevontae mm. Turpin's looked solid at this preseason. I think, Noah Brown, we know what he is. He's going to be a serviceable wide receiver four-ish, wide receiver three, I guess, for a little bit. And, I mean, there's still upside with guys like Fajoko and Dennis Houston. So I'm not completely mad at this point if they don't sign another receiver. I I think the way it could shake out, and I hope it doesn't happen like this, but I could see them going out week one with the cast of guys they have now, and it just looked bad, right? It just didn't yeah. look, you know, and then they go week two. It's like, all right, we got to make a choice here. And, and at that point, contracts aren't guaranteed. They can bring a veteran in up, you know, what a reasonable deal. So I could see them going that way. I would love for it to work out. You know what I mean? I would love to see, like you said, Dennis Houston and Simi Fajoko. I mean, realistically, without Noah Brown and CD Lamb, nobody else has a touchdown reception. So to me, that's something that's really alarming. But again, I feel like wide receiver is almost on the back burner because of how bad the offensive line is. So it's almost not getting the press it should. But I digress. We handled that situation. I think we we're a little bit different, but I think we're on the same page of what that should go like. Um, Aiden, what's the second group there that you got? Yeah, now flipping on to the other side of the ball, let's go defensive tackle. The three names, Quentin Bahanna, Tristan Hill, 
and John Ridgeway, the rookie, fifth round draft pick. Mm, all right. So easy for me. Quentin Bohan is a keep. I think I think uh, Ridgeway is a cut. And Tristan Hill, who I actually have on my 53-man roster, not making it because I think they're going to trade him. So in this scenario, I actually do think that Tristan Hill would be an excellent trade piece. So this question to me is perfect because I really am keeping Bohan. I really am cutting Ridgeway, and I really do think Tristan Hill should be traded. So how do you feel about that? I I am in the boat that whichever – I'm also in the boat with you that Ridgeway should, I think, will be cut. I. More realistically, I think he's going to end up on the practice squad just because he is young, and that's naturally what you do, assuming that he doesn't get claimed off, uh, that he doesn't clear waivers. Agreed. I, I, I also agree with you that whichever the two between Bahana and Hill, whichever one we don't keep, I do think it would be useful to first explore trade opportunities because I think both of them have value. I'm still on the Tristan Hill train, so once again, I'm going to mm. disagree with you. My opinion is that I think Tristan Hill was a lot better than what we give him credit for last season. In fact, according to PFF grading, he was the best defensive tackle we had last season. Now, whether you agree with that or not, that's up to personal preference. I don't think he was necessarily the best, but I do think he was underrated in terms of what he did for us. And I think he's had out of the DTs. I think he's had the best preseason. Would you disagree with that sentiment? I loved what I've seen this preseason. No. And I think honestly, because he's not a Dan Quinn, Mike McCarthy guy is where this kind of trade is coming into in my mind, but the trade is from him actually playing well, because I think there is value there. I think a team would use him in the right way. And I think the Cowboys could fill a need by trading him in and I think the D, D tackle and the D line room as a whole is a really deep position for the Cowboys. I think outside of a, you know, Michael Parsons, DeMarcus Lawrence, there may not be bona fide stars, but there are some solid guys across that defensive line. And I think Tristan Hill would be a nice little, you know, bargaining chip to see if they can go and get something else. I, I'd be fine if we could get something out of the a Tristan Hill trade, because I, I think we're on the same page where I don't think there's a, we don't see a super drastic drop off between Bahana and Hill. I mean, I think you could explore whichever one has more trade trade value because Bahana was that's true. He is only a second year player, granted a six round pick, but I don't know. Interesting to consider. Yeah, and, and let me ask you this question. This is one of those hypotheticals that have been going around the internet, and I, you know, not to give it some validity because it's not it's not valid. But would you trade Tristan Hill in a late round draft pick for Isaiah Wynn if he was available? Ooh, immediately. I agree. How, how, how late of a draft pick are we talking? Like, because I think, I think I'd be willing to throw in a fourth rounder. Okay. That's about the sweet spot. I was saying too, I would give up Tristan Hill fourth rounder, preferably a fifth rounder and, and go ahead and get Isaiah Wynn to come in here and, you know, hold down the left tackle spot. And then if Tyron Smith actually ever comes back, you know, then we have a, at that point, actual swing tackle, right. And at that point, it, I mean, I think personally, I think Isaiah wins better than Terrence Steele. So puts Terrence Steele at a swing tackle spot. And then, you know, maybe now you have much more comfortability at that tackle spot. But I don't want to get too excited about a hypothetical because, <laughs> I, you know, knowing us, it isn't going to happen. But I would just love to see that happen. Yeah, I would be completely in for that. We obviously need linemen and yeah. that piece would that's the linemen you want. So I. <laughs> I'm completely on board with that. And that's the fascinating thing about this team is I think we understand that they have holes, but where they are deep, there's a lot of roster competition that's going to have to be shaken out in the next day or two that 
that the Cowboys are going to end up cutting some good people, some good players. They're going to have to move on. And and I feel wholeheartedly about the running back room. I know a lot of people saying like, oh, you can get a, a decent running back at any time. So don't like sweat Malik Davis. But Malik Davis is going to end up on a 53-man roster if he isn't on this team. And I think Shamplin would have too if he didn't get hurt. I don't know the severity of it. And I don't want to like act like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with that situation, but if he's healthy, he is going to end up on somebody's 53 man roster as well. So um, that's kind of how I feel about that in the running back position, but the kind of segue to the next topic, what position group are you thinking for cut trade keep? Let's go with, I said that the most discussed position heading into training camp was the receivers. Let's discuss the most talked about position since the preseason started. And that would be cornerback. Obviously, Mm. once again, to preface what Tony said, we're not saying that only one of these players is going to be captain. The other two are automatically cut. But run the game for us. (laughs) With that said, let's go. The big three names we've talked about potentially being cut. Calvin Joseph, Nashawn Wright, and CJ Goodwin. Assuming... Wow. I, I think we're I think we're both assuming that Deron Bland's a lock to make the roster yes. at this point. Yeah. So you said Kelvin Joseph, Nation Wright, and, and CJ Goodwin. CJ Goodwin. Mm, yeah, that's a that's a great one. So who I'm keeping, because I, I understand he has issues and I understand that some of his off the field or whatever, but the talent is there. I see the talent. I think they see the talent. So I'm keeping Kelvin Joseph. I think I'm in this scenario, I think I'm trying to trade Nation Wright. And I'm cutting CJ Goodwin because if let's say in the scenario, the trade doesn't work out and Nation Wright ends up on the roster because there was no trade partner. I think he can fill a similar role as a young CJ Goodwin and CJ Goodwin has been a heck of a, a special teams demon. I think he's, he has value, but this team is at a point right now where it's like, do we have enough young guys, enough young cats on this team that can handle his position? And can they do it at a serviceable level to not warrant a roster spot on a guy that is strictly a gunner kickoff, you know, kick return guy. So um, I'm for me, it's keep Calvin Joseph trade nation, right? Cut CJ Goodwin. And what do you say, my friend Aiden? I am. Just, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I think across the board, Finally. I do the same. The one area, the one thing I'd say is, I'm so unbelievably confused about Nashawn Wright still because of how much hype we heard he was getting during the only the training camp portion and then yes. heading into preseason. Obviously, we saw a complete meltdown there. My thing is, is if the Cowboys coaches and the Cowboys front office felt that the news about Nashawn Wright having an amazing training camp was overblown and even they saw these issues during training camp, I'd be fine if we let him go because that's to me, that's the only thing I'm holding on to right now. When I say let's trade Nashawn Wright and him being my number two is that training camp hype and the hope that maybe he can reach that level in an actual game. But I mean, if the coaches disagreed with those reports in the first place, I almost think CJ Goodwin would be my trade piece. Mm. Let me ask you this question. Now we saw that the, the, the snap breakdown, was Nation Wright played 100% of the defensive snaps. Do you put stock in that, and do you see that as a negative, or do you see that as a positive? I absolutely put stock in it. I don't think if Nashawn Wright or I, if Wright was a lock to make the roster, I do not. He would obviously not be playing 100% of snaps. If there was like a 95% chance he was going to make the roster, I don't think he'd get make he'd be getting 100% of the snaps. 
I think this is an actual competition because I think John Fossil has more sway in this roster than we might believe or we might want to believe. I, I, the team, I think, really trusts John Fossil. And not that they don't trust Quinn, because I think they really do trust Dan Quinn, obviously. But I, I think C.J. Goodwin making the team, I think, is a lot more likely than we might want to believe. You know, it's crazy to me because I think I've been tainted from like actual life experiences where I've seen my brother in the final preseason game play 100% of the snaps on the offensive line. He ended up starting. He started at left tackle and played all four. He only he only position he didn't play in the fourth game was center, played every single snap. And, you know, I looked at it much like we are saying now. It's like, oh, that's probably not good for his prospects to let him go out there and kill himself because he's not going to make this team. And then the next day he did make the team. So it was just super strange that he ended up making the team after that. But but I'm, that's the only thing giving me pause because you're right. You see somebody play 100% of the snaps. It's not to, they're not throwaways, but it almost feels like throwaway snaps. Or like, I let them get out there, let us finish out the preseason, and get it over with. So um, I actually on my 53 man roster have Kelvin Joseph and Nation Wright both making the roster. Now I wonder what Kelvin Joseph's concussion is going to end up shaking out for as far as his availability, but I think they go deep. I think, I think in my situation, CJ Goodwin doesn't make it and it's not because he isn't good. I just think they want to go deeper in other places and they can't find a way to fit him in. But again, I've been wrong before and I could probably be wrong here. So um, last one here, we'll get into another section. If you have one here. So Aiden, who do you got for keep cut trade here? Yep. This one, we're going to switch it up a little bit different. I want to now talk about, based off what we've seen, the starting right defensive end position. So Mm. opposite Demarcus Lawrence, the three names, Dante Fowler, Sam Williams, Dorrance Armstrong, who would you start? I guess instead of trade, it would be who would be the first player off the bench. And then obviously you're not cutting any of them, but who would be the, yeah. Uh, if who would I, who would I do it? I would probably, if we're not talking about price tag, if we're just talking about who looked like he brought more juice and the things that we heard about him, it'd probably be Dante Fowler for me. It feels like the guy is really, some, yeah, because you know, and it's funny because I put out a, um, a missing person post on, on Darren's the Dorrance Armstrong. Have we heard one thing about this man in a month? He, he has not been talked about in any fashion, good or bad, in over a month since training camp has started. I know he's not playing in the games because he's a certified lock and there's no no risk to him losing his job and he just got paid. But Dante Fowler showed like he had some juice. I know he played with some grit and some penalty issues, but I wonder if Dante Fowler might be able to give more organic pass rush compared to what Dorrance Armstrong can get. And maybe that's just a knee-jerk reaction, and Dorrance Armstrong might go get 10 for us this year, and I'll have egg on my face. But that's (laughs) just the way it kind of feels after what we saw or didn't see through the preseason. So in this situation, is Sam Williams your three? He would be. I think Sam Williams would be three. Yeah, he would. I guess in the scenario, he'd be my cut in the scenario. But Sam Williams had his best preseason game in the third preseason game. He was... you know, he was out there really putting things together, really kind of compete in there. So I like Sam Williams and I don't hate all three of them. I think all three of them are going to be able to really help this team this year. Yeah. Sam Williams was cursed this preseason for lack of a better term. I, there were a lot of penalties on Sam Williams. I've never been one to blame, blame the referees or most of the time, if there's a penalty on the Cowboys, I agree with it because I mean, you can't, if you look at it from an objective viewpoint, a lot of the penalties we accumulated last season were honest mistakes. That being said, Sam Williams, there were a lot of penalties where I was like, I don't know about that. Sam right. just, Sam's, yeah. Anyway, my three, my ranking 
would be Dorrance one. I'd put Sam at number two because mm. of the juice that we saw in the preseason. And then my number three would be Dante Fowler. Not that I think Dante Fowler is bad. I just, we know what we have in Dante Fowler, which is a pretty good, but not star defensive end, right? For the first few weeks, at least, if you're playing opposite Demarcus Lawrence, I want to look for that upside. That's why I think Doran Armstrong has the highest upside. I've been singing his praises all offseason. I think he's a lot better than we give him credit for, and I think he's going to be, he's going to make a real impact on this team. And then after that, I want a guy that let's see what we have in Sam Williams because I want him to get snaps because I was a lot more impressed with him during the preseason than I thought I would be. I was not sold on Sam Williams. I'm starting to get there now. Yeah, it's and you know, it's it's kind of interesting the way this Cowboys team is dynamic and put together here is they're all really fighting for DN number two, right? Because Michael Parsons is that guy. I mean, excuse me, DN three, because Michael Parsons is that other guy. When they, when they get creative and Michael Parsons isn't playing his linebacker role, they're all going to fight for snaps behind him. The, the best yeah. combination we know is the Marcus Lawrence on one side and, and Michael Parsons on the other. But I, I just do think that they do have a good uh, defensive line. I'm really, really bullish on this defense as a whole this year. I think that the cornerbacks in the in the in the secondary as a whole is going to be the strength, and that's saying a lot because I do think with the addition of Anthony Barr and using Anthony Barr in the way you speak so highly about Leighton Van Der Esch's second half of the season, I think he could be a value to this team. So I'm liking the way that the second the back end linebackers are kind of putting together as well, especially with Jabril Cox hopefully coming together and being good there, but. Um, I'm really bullish on this defense. I think the defense line is a strength, and that was a good kind of keep trade cut section because all three of those guys are going to have a major role in this team. Yeah, I'm just excited to, like you said, this defense for the first time in, I don't don't even know the last time that the Cowboys defense was better than their offense, but we're going to see it this year, and it's going to be, I don't, we'll see how good the defense gets because we can range all the way from that, Broncos team where the defense was elite and the offense was horrible and they still ended up winning the Super Bowl or it's going to be like the Bears the last three years where it's <laughs> a pretty good defense but the offense is horrible. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. We got we got a lot of questions. Like I said earlier, we got a lot more questions than we do answers. But you know that is another episode of the First to Ten podcast. And before I kind of do our closeout here, the next time we speak, it'll be game week. You know, we'll be getting ready. It'll be because, you know, so next time we play, it will be a, a week from now and we'll be getting ready for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I've said it a couple of times this offseason, we've made it. We're talking real football. The preseason is over. It's time to really kind of get down to it. And, you know, it's an important year for the Cowboys organization. I think it's an important year for the quarterback. It's important year for the head coach. And um, I'm excited to see what's going to happen because, you know, with the Cowboys, it's never a dull moment. So as ends here today with another episode of the First and Ten podcast, I am Tony Catalina. This is my colleague, my friend, Aiden Davis, and we will catch y'all next week. Peace.